Built to last. How are you doing today? Good? So far, so good? How many of you already had lunch? Right? Yeah. No, I'm, for some reason, I, I got hungry earlier, and I was like, why am I so hungry? You're starving? Yeah. And then I apologize for Steve's reference to a blanket from the top to the bottom. I didn't really get that, but... What do you... It's so out of character for you. Not that you're funny. Not trying to be funny, but no. So anyway, hey, if you weren't with us last week, I challenge you, get online and listen to the uh, message. We, we looked at the book of Jude, which is the second to the last book uh, in the Bible. It's only one chapter, so you can read it in one sitting. And just a, a, a really um, a neat book to the church as well as how we deal with living in the last days. And so it was amazing the amount of response that I got from people on hey, like, we want to know more about that. And I had mentioned Matthew in there and, and talked about how to navigate, you know, living in the last days and the return of Christ. And so um, I thought, you know what, we're just going to park there for, for at least this Sunday and maybe maybe uh, next Sunday. But so, so built to last, and the idea behind that title is how we navigate living in the, in the last days. And there was a challenge given last week to read Matthew 24, 23, 24, 25, maybe some of 26, 25, and, and then turn the news on. And a lot of you did that. And I got, I got emails and a lot of people like text me or whatever and said, man, I just read Matthew 24 and then I turned the news on and it was like the newscaster was reading Matthew 24. So, so we didn't dive all the way into Matthew 24. We stayed more in Jude last week. So I want to look at Matthew 24, but I, I want to do this. I want today to be instructional as well as, as well as encouraging, because you can look at living in, in you know the end of time as as Jesus calls it when the disciples ask him this question, and you can get really discouraged and and you can get really discouraged for several reasons, one of which is you 've fallen in love with this world and we, we made a joke last week right about how how many of us actually are looking forward to Jesus coming back yeah. yeah. But subconsciously, we can have that attitude of, okay, God, my retirement's just about to come to annuity. Could you wait? Like, tell the angel to wait for a few years and yeah, stop. And then we talked about, like, some of us, our kids are gone, they moved out, and now we can walk around our house naked again and nobody notices. Yeah. So, God, could you just wait? Anyway, the, the idea is, if we're not careful, we can... We can buy into such a system of this world that really the, the return of Christ is an obscure idea that, yeah, we believe that, but are we really looking forward to it? Are we, are we really, really looking forward to Jesus Christ coming back for us as his church? And, and I think that, that defines much of what we believe, how we believe it, and who we are because we, you know, we can get in that mode of checking the box of church. Are we really invested in the faith that God's called us to have? So Matthew says this, chapter 24, verses 3 through 13. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So here are the disciples trying to get an inside track, basically is what's going on. They want some inside trading information here. Right, Because all throughout the New Testament, you see the disciples asking questions always to benefit themselves. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. So they pose a question, and immediately he answers that question with a statement. 
He, he doesn't go into right there of answering the question. He knows all too well that in the last days, people are going to be deceived. Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. So in other words, Jesus is telling his disciples, he still hasn't told them because he goes on to say at some point that no one knows the day or the hour, only the Father knows. And, but he, Jesus does know what's going what's to happen in reference to birth pains. Verse 9. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from their faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Verse 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Man, that's, that's scary. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. So, you, we have this, we have Jesus saying, you know, he gets asked the question and he doesn't answer the question. He simply answers and speaks to what's going to happen. And, and so built to last, the idea behind this is how do we navigate living in the end times? How do we navigate living in a crazy world? How do we navigate in a place of joy, hope, and peace for our children, for our spouse, and for a lost and dying world that we work with and interact with on a daily basis? Because when, when all hell breaks loose... The, the world is looking for truth. They're looking for someone that's a pillar. They're looking for someone who they can look at and say, you know what, you don't really seem to be bothered by this. No, because I have the knowledge of the Word of God that tells me these things have to happen. And if they have to happen before Jesus Christ comes back to get me, then so be it. We don't have to fear those things. We, we can navigate them by heeding the voice of the Spirit in our life. And Francis Chan wrote a book called The Forgotten God. And if you've never read that, I challenge you to. And it's about the Holy Spirit, the forgotten God. Because, you know, we, we talk about God and we talk about Jesus. But Jesus said, I must go away so another can come. And so the idea is, is the Old Testament, see God in the forefront. And then he sends his only son, Jesus. Jesus is in, in the forefront. Then he gives his life. And Jesus said, I must go away so another can come. Then the Holy Spirit takes precedence in the, the last of the New Testament into today. So we have this gift from God, His Spirit, that indwells us the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. We've said this before, we don't get two-thirds of God, we get all of God. And so now we have the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to lead and guide and direct us. And I would just say this, I, I could not navigate my own life without listening to the voice of the Spirit in my life. How do I know that? Because I've tried. I look back at mistakes that I've made in my life, and it's like, you weren't even concerned with what God thought about your decision. I know that's none of you, right? But, but, but if we're not careful, the Holy Spirit is the forgotten God. And, and we, don't, we don't ask the Lord about decisions. We don't ask. And there's coming a time, in reference to Matthew 24, that we're going to need to be really, really tuned in to the voice of the Spirit in our life to navigate in such a way we bring God glory and more people come to know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. So the spirit of truth, in John 16, 13, but when he, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Truth is an amazing word, isn't it? And we'll, we'll talk more about that. I'll, I'll just make this statement. We live in a world who longs for truth. 
We, we operate, we interact with people on a daily basis that long for truth. So let's get going on this right here. The Holy Spirit always testifies of Jesus. I hope you're taking notes today. If, if you don't have the ability to do that, get online tomorrow by noon. The messages will be on there and the PowerPoint's on there. You, you can write these down or print them off. The Holy Spirit will always testify of Jesus. John 15, can, do you hear that? Nice. Is that Siri? Ask Siri how to turn your phone off. <laughs> Just saying. The Holy Spirit will always testify of Jesus. John 15, 26, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Very important aspect of the Holy Spirit. If you, if you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus always sought to bring God glory. Always. Not my will, but your will be done. That's what Jesus wanted to do. He wanted to complete the will of God as he was on this earth. The Holy Spirit always seeks to bring Jesus glory. It's like a, a, a ladder effect going up. The Holy Spirit will always testify of who Jesus is. Can I just say this? Jesus is the X factor in our faith. There's no way that you can, you can call yourself a Christian or, or have, I mean, it's Christianity 101, without saying, all right, God, there's no way that I'm going to spend eternity without faith in Jesus. So the Holy Spirit will always testify of who Jesus is, always. If you ever get yourself caught up in a small group or a church or some kind of a teaching that does not testify to the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, he was born of a virgin, he did live a sinless life, they did place him on a cross, they killed him, they put him in a grave, he rose from that grave on the third day, and the fact that he's coming back for us one day. If you ever get involved in a teaching that's outside of that, run. Because that's the epicenter of our faith is who Jesus Christ is and what he did for us and how much God loved us so much he sent his only son. And Jesus goes on to say, when the counselor comes, meaning the Holy Spirit, who I'm, I'm going away so another can come. And so you get this pictorial of Jesus going back to the throne of God and saying, hey, now it's time to send the Holy Spirit to indwell my people so that they can understand how you would have them live. The forgotten God. The, the ace in the hole, that, that, that mechanism that we have on a daily basis to cry out to God and say, God, what should I do in this situation? How, what decision should I make? It's the Holy Spirit leads and guides and directs us. He's our counselor. He's our leader. He's our comforter. Number two, the Holy Spirit convicts us. John 16, 8, when he comes, he will convict the word, uh, world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit convicts us. Now, we've, we've talked about this, and I'll continue to talk about it because it's something that's not talked about a lot. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is from the enemy. It's not from God. Condemnation makes you feel like you're worthless and you should never try again after you mess up. Conviction, on the other hand, is from God and from the Holy Spirit. It says, hey, Jason, you know you weren't supposed to do that. Hey, how much longer we're going to have to go around this tree. Let me help you put things in place in your life so we don't have to deal with this anymore. Come here. Conviction, conviction pulls you to, to a better way and to greatness. Condemnation pushes you away from the love of God. The Holy Spirit convicts. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, go over to Timothy, Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Again, 
talking about the last days. If you are involved in a church or some sort of a teaching or a blog that you subscribe to every day that professes the name of Jesus and they're putting that platform out there, if, if your experience never brings conviction upon your life, either you're perfect, which we know is not true, or people are just telling you what you want to hear. I'd rather have a church of 25 people who are open to the conviction of the Holy Spirit in their life than a church of 10,000 that just want to hear whatever they want to hear. And Jesus, through the word of God, is saying, look, in the last days, people are going to be deceived. Timothy's saying, look, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Tickling. One version says, to tickle their ears. Just tell me what I want. Tell me everything's going to be okay. Tell me that God's going to bless me. Tell me that, that the, the bank account's going to outweigh the bills. Tell me about grace and mercy. Tell me. But, but you know, don't, I, like, I'm not real concerned about that other part. Like Jesus, where you said you're going to be persecuted, you told the disciples you'd be persecuted and handed over for death. That's going to sell a lot of books. Yeah, put your big smiling face on the front of that book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You will be persecuted and put to death, Jesus is saying. And, and, and so the idea is we have to be open to the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our life. We have to be in tune with God's voice in our life. The Bible says in verse 4 of 2 Timothy chapter 4, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Going back to the truth aspect, which, which we'll, we'll get to in just a second, but but the, the idea is, is in the last. So how do we navigate the last days? How are we people of truth? How, how are we? We heed the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life. Last week we talked about practicing hearing the voice of God. You remember that? Practicing hearing the voice of God. And we never walk with the Lord for so long that we don't need to practice hearing the voice of God. Isn't that true? Like every day I've got to practice to hear the voice of God in my life. I have to put things in place to give God an opportunity to speak into different areas of my life. I don't want to hear. Some of us have accountability partners in our life. Uh, yeah, I'm going there right now. And, and those people are yes people. They're yes people. And they'll look at you and they'll say, well, you know, your dad was that way, so you're going to be that way. Your mom was that way, so you're going to be that way. And it's okay. God understands. And, and they tell you exactly what you, you want to hear about the struggle that you might be in that is contradictory to the Word of God. And the reason they tell you exactly what you want to hear is because you tell them exactly what they need to hear. And so for an hour a week, you tickle each other's ears. Not Not physically. I want people in my life that call me at midnight saying, God just woke me up. Something's going on in your life, and we need to talk about it. I want people in my life, besides my wife, that say, <laughs> she, she, doesn't, she doesn't apply to this part. <laughs> she does that very well, um, which she should. Uh, you you, you got to, conviction comes through many different avenues, but the Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit does not condemn. The Holy Spirit convicts. And when we remove ourselves from the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we really have a pseudo-Christianity that is about Sunday, and that's about it. 
when we clock into the real world, we leave all that behind and we pick it back up maybe every other Sunday. So if I'm going to navigate the last days, if I'm going to be built to last, I have to be brave enough to, to put myself under teaching and, and the Holy Spirit led that I'm, I'm convicted. This is a huge danger, a huge danger for, for those of us who've walked with the Lord for a while. We, we forget how to identify conviction in our life because we explain it away. We get so smart in the ways of God that we, there, it, it really doesn't bother us anymore what maybe is on TV in our den. Because, you know, hey, it's TV. And I know that's old school. I know. Believe me, don't send me emails this week. You're, I know you're a grown person. I get that a lot. Well, I'm a grown person, and that's my TV. Well, you're actually acting like a freaking teenager right now because by virtue of you saying you're a grown person definitely means that you're really not that grown up. Like, did you just have to identify that to me? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The, the Holy Spirit convicts. Number three, the Holy Spirit teaches truth. 2 Timothy three sixteen. Remember, I'm talking about navigating the last days, being a pillar, a safe place for this world. 2 Timothy three sixteen. All Scripture, everybody say that with me. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training <clears throat> in righteousness. All Scripture. All Scripture. All Scripture. All encompasses everything. All is all. All is not anything but all. All Scripture. It's kind of like Memphis has won all of their football games this year. And you say Jesus isn't coming back soon. The Cubs were in the World Series. Just saying. No, they weren't in the World Series. They almost made it to the World Series. Is that dang goat? Anyway. All Scripture. All Scripture. And I know a lot of this is elementary and, and basic The Holy Spirit teaches truth. What is our truth? Our truth is the Word of God. Parents in this room right now, your kids are going to ask you some amazingly crazy questions as they grow up. And the way to answer those questions is in truth. And the only way that you can answer those questions in truth is to be a man or woman of the Word. You have to open it and you have to read it. I know it's a lot of trouble. I understand this. But if we... The Holy Spirit is going to lead us in all manners of truth. Because if we're not careful, we, by, by our actions, our subconsciously, again, we can get into a place where we live in such a way that believes some of the Bible. You know what I'm talking about? We live, we live in such a way that believes some of the Bible. But when it comes down to this book being so old, because isn't that a really old book? And isn't it like a yesterday to say you shouldn't live together if you're not married? Selah. And, and I get this a lot. But we sleep in separate rooms. Yeah, right. Yeah, you might sleep in separate rooms, but you're doing something else in the other rooms. Oh, I love the part of the Bible that talks about God's blessings on my life. But am I willing to buy in in my business that I run I'm to be a person of integrity and character? Or if not telling the whole truth is going to get me a business deal then eh, it's not really lying. It's just not telling the whole truth. Well, what is that? What is that? And, and, and I hope this is upsetting some of you. Because the, the, Bible is, the Bible is written to us to love us and to provoke us. I, I don't want to tickle your ears. 
I, I, I don't want to. I didn't. Uh. Because i got to stand before God one day, and he's going to ask me, well, what did you talk about? Well, okay. You have to answer God for you. I've got to answer God for me. And so the Holy Spirit teaches truth. The whole world's looking for truth. How do we know truth? What's the plumb line for our truth? It's the Word of God. Every, how many of you ever tried to do like a read through the Bible in a year deal? Leviticus. <laughs> My goodness. Do you ever get bogged down in Leviticus? I've literally asked the Lord, God, does it really matter how thick the curtains are or the purple that got really? Seriously right now? Or lamentations? Oh, man, I just get, you can almost get depressed reading that. It's like, he's having a bad day after bad day after bad day after bad day. It's in there for a reason. All Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture. Where do we find teaching of truth? Where do we find rebuking in truth? Remember last week we talked about Thomas, doubting Thomas? And poor Thomas, he's known as doubting Thomas. Never mind that he was chosen as one of the disciples and he was there for a lot of miracles. Never mind any of that. We know doubting Thomas. How did Jesus deal with his doubt? In truth and in love. That's, that's the part of G where it says, those that are wavering in their faith... Teaching in truth, rebuking in love. And Jesus said, okay, Thomas, if that's what you need, come here, touch my hands. He didn't rail him. Correct, truth, the word of God, and training in righteousness. The Holy Spirit teaches truth. The Holy Spirit will never go against this Bible. So if you're ever at some revival or somewhere or some here or there and you hear somebody say, you know what, God's doing a new thing and, and what he said in the Bible, it's not really applicable for everyday life. Leave, run, jet, go as fast as you can because you will not be built to last if you don't stick close to this Bible. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will stand forever. The Holy Spirit will never, never lead you to an area where it contradicts God's word. It's truth. Keep going right here, Kim. Matthew 24, why is it so important to understand truth? Why is it so important to be knowledgeable of truth? Why is it so important to teach our kids what actual truth is? Truth is not an obscure idea. Truth is truth. Matthew 24, going on later in the chapter, verse 24, for false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect if that were possible. These are not like people who are on the fringe of Christianity here. Jesus is talking to the disciples. Like he's talking to his crew. He's talking to those, those uh, young men who have seen him do miracles. And, and like he could have been, you guys should be way over this. No, 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 no. He's like, you better pay attention. Because in the last days, there are going to be people. There are going to be people. And, and even the elect are going to be deceived. If that doesn't lead you to reading your Bible, I don't want to be deceived. Nor would I ever want to deceive anyone else. I don't want my kids to be deceived. I want them to understand that the plumb line for truth is the Bible. It is God-breathed. It's the inspired Word of God. And the Holy Spirit leads us in that truth if we will listen to the Holy Spirit. It's not that difficult. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the desert, do not go out, or... Here he is in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. In other words, here, here we have Jesus saying, there are going to be people that do miracles. And they're going to do those miracles in my name. And they're, they're going to deceive many people. Because 
in the miracle working that they're doing, they're going to itch ears, they're going to tickle ears, and they're going to mesmerize people, but they have no substance because you can't find the true teaching of God's word in them whatsoever. That's the truth. That's heavy, isn't it? Say, Jason, you're telling me, you're telling me that I could be sitting in a room right like this and somebody could like do, perform a miracle and I'm not supposed to believe they're from God unless they're teaching the Bible. No, you're not. And that's what Jesus is telling the disciples. And it, now, I love this. So if anyone tells you there he is out in the desert, do not go out or here he is in the inner rooms, don't believe it. In other words, Jesus is like, I'm here telling you this right now. I'm going to die. I'm going to be resurrected, and I'm coming back one day. Now watch this. Watch. I love verse 27 of Matthew 24. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. In other words, in the last days when the famines and earthquakes and wars and nations are rising against nations, all these birth pains are happening. There are going to be false prophets that rise up and start doing all this crazy stuff. And Jesus is like, look, do not be deceived. And they're going to say, the Christ has come or the Christ is here. Read prophecy. I mean, they're going to stand in streets and do miracles. And, and people are going to say, well, is that Elijah? Who is this? What's going on? And many people will be deceived. Jesus is like, look, I've already came. I was buried. I was resurrected. And so so much so that he goes on to tell the disciples for as lightning that comes from the east is visible in the west so will be the coming of the son of man when Jesus Christ comes back which he will you're going to know it nobody's going to have to convince you oh my, my wife is like a mother bear she's always prayed I just wish we'll I just God I pray we're all together when the rapture happens I don't care. <laughs> and I've told her that. I mean, like, that's a prayer that you can pray. Good for you. I, I think it's like, yes, even so, Lord. We had just shortly been living here, and I'd never seen a rocket launch. And so there was a, a, a rocket launch at 1208, a little bit after midnight. And so we, we took the kids over to our beach access. And we went over, and I could hear people, but I couldn't see them. It was dark, and no moon whatsoever. And I, I was listening on the radio, the countdown, and, I, and, and this, this rocket takes off, supposedly going to space. <laughs> Man, yeah. yeah. I'm sure they go somewhere. But it, either way. And it lit my beach up. Have you ever experienced this? 55 miles south of the Cape, I'm looking around, and I'm identifying my neighbors. Hey, Al. Hey, Karen. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? I didn't know that was you. Well, you could. It lit up our entire beach access. Have you experienced this? How can we experience something like God wrecked me that night? Because in Tennessee, we don't have rocket launches. Because <laughs> we're small. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, no. So, I, I, and I, I didn't sleep that whole night. We went back home and Raina went to bed and and the kids went to bed, and I was up, and I was so convicted about the doubt that I had about the second. And, and, and here, here's what God spoke to my heart. You, a man created that rocket, and from 55 miles away, it lit up your whole beach. How dare you wonder how the whole world is going to see Jesus when he comes back? And I remember listening on the radio, they're now over Africa, and I could still see the thing. I was like, <gasps> no, Africa, like on the other side of the world. They were like still, and it was still visible. 
False Christ will arise. Do amazing miracles. And, and, and I hope I'm not boring you, but man, we need to be on point. We need to be on point, heeding the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life and the voice of truth. The Holy Spirit speaks truth, and that truth is the Word of God. The truth is the Word of God. Number four, the Holy Spirit encourages me with His comforting presence. So you get this idea of not having a spirit of fear, but, but I don't know, for, for me, it can be, think about the end times can be kind of overwhelming, right? Oh, God, is my child never going to get to grow up? Are they never going to get to be married? God, how does this work? da 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 Lord, am I going to be persecuted? Am I going to be put to death? God, am I, you know, and you, you think about all these things, and it can be overwhelming. Well, that is why the Holy Spirit is called the comforter, the encourager. Psalms 139, David pins it like this, which is amazing. And this is written in a time uh, of much of David's life was just anarchy, basically. Psalms 139, 7 through 16, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Verse 8, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Verse 12, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Then it gets personal. How do I navigate living in the end times? Yeah, I heed the voice of the Spirit of God in my life. And there's nowhere I can go to get away from that Spirit except in my own stubbornness. Did you hear that? There's, there's nowhere I can go as a child of God to get away from the Holy Spirit influencing my life unless I refuse to listen to the voice of the Spirit in my life. I, we're, we're creatures of free will. We, God gave us choice. Why did he give us choice? Some days I wish he wouldn't have given me a choice. God, why didn't you just make me love you? Well, if you make somebody love you, it's not really love, is it? That's, that's the part of God that really wants to know Jason. That's the part of God that really wants the reciprocation of love in a relationship. Then it gets personal. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I, I love that. I love it. it like I, I've shared this before, but the, the book of Psalms... It understood DNA. David understood DNA, and some of the writers in Psalms understood DNA before we got so smart to figure it out. You knit me. You made me just like you wanted me. You knit me together. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Let, let that mess you up just for a second. That'll, that'll throw you into a line of thinking. God knew you before you knew you. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what the psalmist is saying right here. We, we, we get this idea of, of the Holy Spirit encouraging us. And, and no matter what we may have to go through on this planet, or especially in the last days, we know that God will never leave us or forsake us. We know that he knows us well enough to know that we need the Holy Spirit in our life to make good decisions in reference to how this Bible says we should live. He loves us so much, he sent his own spirit so that we could understand his mind so that we can understand the word of God. And where can we go away from that spirit? Nowhere. We can decide to go somewhere. If we decide not to listen to the voice of the spirit in our life, and we decide to bind to some mumbo-jumbo weirdo teaching, 
But that's up to us. God's like, look, nope, I gave you, I gave you a GPS. God's positioning system. It's right here. There it is. And if I apply myself to this book, I expose myself to men and women of God in my life who are versed in this book, and I listen to the voice of truth, the Holy Spirit, in my life, I come to a place of a lot of encouragement. Because this earth and this life, it's, it, it's fading away. But I know that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend eternity with God in heaven. Where can I go away from his spirit? Where, where can I wind up? Night can't, they, night can't do it. Darkness can't do it. Pain can't do it. He's right there. He's there all the time. Where can I go away from his presence? Can't. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. And here's what's fun about God. If you look for God everywhere, you'll find him everywhere. It's so true. If you look for him every turn in your day, you'll find God somewhere. Sometimes that's not real fun. You're like, okay, God, I thought you didn't know about this area of my life. I'm God. (laughs) I pretty much know you, Jason. Yeah, the Bible says he knows when a hair falls from my head. Isn't that something? That's a relational God. That's a God that I can say, you know what? I'm going to be invested. And the Holy Spirit helps me to be invested in who God is in my life. If you're serving communion, can you be dismissed right now? Go quickly. Yeah, that's awesome. Last thing, the Holy Spirit gives me an eternal destiny. Now, now watch this. Don't, don't miss this part. Ephesians 1, 13 says it this way. And you were, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. This is talking about salvation. This is talking about hearing the truth that God loved us so much he sent his only son. Hearing the truth that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. The gospel of your salvation. Mark this scripture in your Bible. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So how am I marked as a Christ follower? How am I marked as a child of God? How, when, when, take kids for instance, when my kids look at me and say, Dad, how do I know that I know that I know? Well, we know because that still small voice inside of us is from God. We have a decision of whether or not we're going to listen to that voice. And we're sealed. I tried, to, I tried to find a Rubbermaid big enough to get in. Any of you have Rubbermaids? So stupid. Why do we put stuff we never use in Rubbermaids? I just got through moving, and it's like I got Rubbermaids everywhere with stuff in there. And some of the stuff, I, some of the stuff I actually moved from the house before this house five years ago. Anybody ever done that? And you're like, I haven't used this crap in five years. Are you kidding me? I just spent $9 on a Rubbermaid? But, but the point being, I was going to get in and, and, and get someone to seal me up. And it's like nice and comfortable, but I couldn't find one big enough and then thought about not being able to breathe. You get the point. Sealed up. How am I sealed up in God? I'm sealed up in God through the promised Holy Spirit. When I put my faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, I come into an area of sonship. I know it's been a very basic message, but I don't want you to miss this part right here. You come into a place of sonship. Now, sons get to act a certain way with their father. Children get to act a certain way with their father that maybe other children don't act or get the benefits of. Right? So you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives me an eternal destiny. I'm sealed up. And the proof of that sealing, the proof of that sonship, the proof 
of being adopted and grafted in is through the Holy Spirit indwelling me. It's a very real thing. Romans says it this way. Now watch this. <clears throat> Romans 8, 14 through 16. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again of fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. By him we cry, Daddy. By him we have a God that went to such a great extent that, that he could have been called anything he wanted to be called. And he, he wanted to be called Father. The Spirit... The Spirit of God Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Grafted in, adopted. Don't ever let the voice of the enemy or the trick of the enemy tell you that you're anything less than a child of God. Join heirs with Christ, a child of God. Because when I start operating as a child of God, I realize that that spirit that God wove together in my mother's womb then testifies, that the Holy Spirit testifies with my spirit and His spirit becomes my spirit and then I identify myself as a child of God. And living, living any other way is subpar. Making any decisions that are contradictory to the Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit is subpar because I am a child. I am a son. I've been adopted. I've been grafted in. I've got two children. They're both grown now. If either one of them needed something from me and I had the ability to give it to them and they didn't ask, it would break my heart. God's saying, look, you're a son. So much so that I've given you my spirit to help lead and guide and direct you. Application. What area of your life do you refuse to allow God's spirit to lead you in? I guarantee if you identify that area of your life, you're going to see dysfunction. Not going good. There's going to be dysfunction in that area of your life. You, you, you know, whatever that area may be, especially spiritual. Maybe you're here today like a bunch of people in the first and second service, and you're like, you know what? I've not started my journey. I'm not. I haven't been adopted in. I've not experienced God's love and grace and mercy by putting my faith in Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit convicts us to a place of truth. And the truth is that God loved us so much he sent his only son to die for us. Built to last. God destines me for eternity. As I'm sealed up with the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit leads me to a place where I'm going to stand before God one day and give an account for my life. Do you believe that? Do you believe we're all going to stand before God one day? Because the day I started believing that changed the way I made decisions. Are they perfect? No. Do we have this amazing gift from God, the Holy Spirit? Yes. And will that Spirit lead in God and direct us? Yes. So maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus. What a great day to do that. What an unbelievable day to do that. Let's pray. That's you. You say, Jason, I'm, I'm just like some of those people, maybe in the, the first or second service. I need, I need to put my faith in Jesus. If that's you, slip your hand up long enough for me to see it and put it right back. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. Anyone else before we have communion? We have an open communion here. We just ask that you, you know Jesus. Anyone else? I need Jesus in my life. Maybe you walk through those doors today not wondering or wondering what, what today really entail, but you feel God knocking on the door of your heart right now. Anyone else before we pray? I see your hand. It's awesome. I just had a strong leading in my spirit. Some of you are coming back home today. Some, some of you are like, you know what? I'm, I'm, God, I need to come back to you. I, I need to come back to you. I'm ready. 
I'm ready to go at this thing with your grace and your love and your mercy. Anybody else? That's awesome. Thank you. What a privilege it is to pray with you today. If you raise your hand, go out to the tent afterwards. You get a starting point booklet. Sign up for the class. It's going to be starting again soon. Let us get you in a life group. If you're not comfortable doing that, email the church. The pastor will get back with you. We want to do everything we can to help you in this new decision. If you raise your hand, write it in your heart, not out loud. Just right there where you're sitting. Pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you that I'm in this chair today and I'm realizing you love me so much you sent your only son. And I'm confessing in my heart right now. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. I believe that he lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sin on the cross. And I'm confessing in my heart right now. I know they placed him in a grave. And I believe he rose from that grave on the third day. And I believe he's coming back for me one day. Father, thank you for making forgiveness available. And I receive that forgiveness right now. I receive your love and your grace and your mercy. Now help put people around me, God, that are going to help me in this new decision. In Jesus' name.